What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up on Mars Attack. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss from the Dictators NYC and Death Dealer, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Billy Keaton with Audiotopsy, and you're listening to Mars Attack with Victor. Looking forward to seeing everybody on tour and releasing Natural Causes and putting the metal down. Thank you very much. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Hey all, here's Andrea Pizzer from Sepultura in De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Enjoy. Hey, Logan Mader here from Once Human. You're listening to Mars Attack. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. Welcome, one and all, to episode 131 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Victor, and this week joining me as my co-host is Mr. Chris Vaglio. Chris, how are you? What's up, everybody? How you doing? It's Friday night here when we're recording this. We're having a good time. Yes. We're ready to rip it up. I'm, hap- I'm happy to hear Mars Attacks podcast Get back, get back to the basics, get back to doing what we do best, talking metal, talking music. Absolutely. It's always uh, fun to have you on here and fun to just uh, catch up. Um, we're going to talk about something that Chris and I have been doing, another podcast uh, in a little bit. But uh, we're going to talk about something that happened at the tail end of last year where Chris was actually there, present. Uh, we're talking about the final farewell show by Motley Crue. You were out there uh, in L.A. This was at um, what used to be the old L.A. Forum, or w- what was um, what was the venue where you you saw that final Motley Crue show? Yeah, so it's the uh, it's the Staples Center, which I guess oh, it was Staples Center. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's the Staples Center where they. Uh... The L.A. Kings play, and uh, I, I guess the Lakers play there too. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were we were there. Uh, my wife and I went, and uh, my business partner and uh, his girlfriend went. My business partner is is a huge, huge, huge Motley Crue fan. I mean, I'm a Motley Crue fan, but that's like this is like his band. Like you know how you're growing up, you have like the band that you like worship like more than any band. This is the right. band that he worships more than anything. And, uh, I mean, he even has, like, uh, which he didn't wear, but he's got, like, an old school, like, Motley Crue. Uh, he's got a denim jacket with, like, Motley Crue buttons and patches all over it that he still has and everything. So we were uh, we were really pumped. When the tickets went on sale for this back uh, early in 2015 for that for the whole tour, these were the tickets that we we wanted to get first. Like, as soon as they announced, like, L.A. dates and they said these will be the final Dates. And actually, the first thing they did, the, the last show is the first one they, they talked about first, which was uh, the New Year's Eve show. So we were right. like, okay, we're getting tickets for that. Then they wound up um, 
releasing uh they wound up adding on two more shows one on the 28th of december and one on the 30th of december so uh we wound up my wife and i wound up buying tickets for the 28th show so we went on the 28th and we went on new year's eve the last show and mark went to all three (laughs) he went to all three shows so um yeah we were really this was like you know, it's like buying the tickets like early in the year and like just knowing that like it's there and it's coming and like we're eventually going to go. So it's like all of 2015 was like anticipating going to see <laughs> Motley Crue. And we had seen them midway in the year because they had uh, when they came to the area, uh, the New York, New Jersey area here, uh, they played Brooklyn and at the um, at the Barclays Center, which is a newer arena that they built like right in the middle of Brooklyn there. And uh, we went to go see them. And they were great, and it was awesome. Um, they sounded amazing. So, I, you know, for a lot of people in the area, that was like the last time they were going to go see them. Um, but we knew, we knew that we had our <laughs> LA tickets, and we were going to be there right. for the final, final shows. So, there was a lot of anticipation for it on on our side. How different was it seeing them in New York as opposed to LA? Did you notice a different vibe or different energy from the band? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, when we saw them here in New York, it was definitely like, you know, sort of their farewell to New York and type of thing. But, you know, seeing the band in their hometown where they where it all started, there was definitely a different vibe. And even when we were out there, too, they had like, you know, all the radio stations were, were playing crew like constantly. And even like Amoeba Records when we were there had like all kinds of like crew stuff out. Um, you know, displays, records. I mean, they just made sure they had tons of crew stuff out. And then they also had, which I didn't get to see, but they had, like, some kind of, like, Hearst cruising around L.A. And it said, like, rest in peace, Motley Crue on it. And, like, people were, you know, if you saw it, you take pictures and posting. So if you were, like, on Instagram or whatever, you'd be able to see, um, you know, uh, the, the Hearst. And they had, like, a hashtag going, like, rest in peace, Motley Crue, L.A. shows, final shows. Like, they had that going on. So the vibe was definitely... Like you could, you could, you could feel it, you know, and it, and uh, you know, once again, it being L.A. and, and their hometown, it's like, ah, man, this is, uh, this is good. So, you know, the first show that they played, like on the twenty eighth, it was, uh, it was really, it was really cool. You could tell that even at that show, even though they stuck to the same set list that they've been playing for the <laughs> entire tour. Um, you could hear it when they were talking to the crowd, like you, that they knew that these were the last three shows and that they were a little more, um, it was, it was more special, you know, to them. Uh, you could hear it as they talked to the crowd. Um, and it was actually a major event that happened while we're out there on the 28th too, which was Lemmy passed away that day. And, uh, and, and we were blown away and we were like, holy cow. Like, so we're in LA Motley Crue's playing it, and Lemmy passes away. And, of course, like the rain from where we're staying, the rainbow is literally five minutes away. So Mark and I were like, well, <laughs> after the show, we're definitely hitting the rainbow and doing like a Jack and Coke because you got to do right. I mean, that's Lemmy's drink. You gotta, I mean, I know he, he switched to vodka because it was healthier, but the Jack and Coke <laughs> is Lemmy's drink. And so um, that's a whole other little story that I could tell. Um, afterwards, but so it was like it's the last show, and then uh, first of the last three shows, and then Lemmy's also passed away that day. So they, Vince Neil did a little shout out uh, to Lemmy um, that night as well, uh, which was which was cool for those guys to acknowledge it because obviously you know 
Motorhead's, you know, legendary, and everybody knows Lemmy. It's, he's like he, he's a fixture on the LA scene. Yeah, when I was out there, we stayed fairly close to uh, fairly close to that area as well. We stayed down on, I think it was Santa Monica Boulevard, um, and and that was because we were going to see a show at the Viper Room, so I wanted to be walking distance from there. Right, but um, yeah, so. Um, as far as the set list is concerned, you said that they've stuck to the same set list, basically the same set list they'd been playing for 10 years since they got back together again. Um, and I remember talking to you before going out there and you were telling me, boy, I hope they play this boy. I hope they play that, you know, it's going to be their last shows. And I remember telling you, Chris, I don't think they're varying. They're gonna, (laughs) no pun intended, stick to their guns. Um, yeah, because they they just don't vary. If if they would have varied, they would have done it during that Las Vegas residency. And I remember reading the set list, and I thought it was so cheesy that the only difference was that they were doing "Home Sweet Home" acoustically, and they were doing um, I forget what else acoustically. They were doing like three or four songs acoustically, and I was like. Well, no one really wants to see Motley Crue play acoustically. So what's yeah? You know, we want to see some of these deeper cuts that you know either because we were too young we didn't get to see, um, right. or you know that the band hadn't played the the songs in in eons. Um, what were some of your biggest disappointments uh, from seeing these shows? Is there anything that really? like made you sit back and, and think, you know, shit, why'd they do this? Or why didn't they do this other thing? You know, what, what were some of those things that stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, the, the for me, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to sit here and say, uh, you know, like, Oh my God. Because it's like, you know, first of all, I just want to say, listen, the, the fact that I, I am fortunate enough to be able to, who, and it's not, you know, in an expensive feat to be able to go fly out to LA and do this and, you know, I mean, my wife and I have been saving up for it. This was like our vacation. So, you know, I don't want to come off as uh, being like, oh, yeah, I flew out there, like whatever. So it's like, you know, this this was something that uh, we don't take for granted for being able to have, you know, have have the opportunity to go do something like this. Our, our kids are old enough now. So, you know, we're able to able to, you know, to, to do it. But, um, you know, as far as the shows go. You know, I was really, I was really hoping that they would mix it up the last three nights. I mean, I understand, you know, the set and the show is the show, and and uh, you know they they stick to it, and you know they put on quite a spectacle. Um, you know, they really amped it up for this this last leg because when we saw them on the first leg of the farewell tour, um, they had played in um, at the Garden, Madison Square Garden in New York City, and that was an October show, and that was probably in 2014 i believe and if you actually go on like setlist.fm or whatever you can see the set list um you know you can see the difference between the set list from that tour as opposed to the the final tour that happened in 2015 which and i can't remember it all off the top of my head but actually you know i'll while i'm talking i'll, I'll try to look it up but the uh what I was really hoping for was some more was some more you know album cuts or deeper cuts or at least like selections from you know uh, too fast too fast for love because it's the first record they're in L A it's the final shows like you know some 
some cuts off of that would have been great. Like one of my favorite Motley Crue songs of of all time to me is is on with the show. I love that song. I think it's a great, great tune. It's an awesome album closer on on uh, on uh, Too Fast for Love. And I didn't say they have to. I wouldn't say they have to end the show with 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 on with the road, but like uh, on with the show. Sorry, uh, but uh, it would have been nice to have heard that. Also, I mean, really, any anything off of Too Fast for Love, like I would have loved to have heard, like, you know, Come On and Dance or, uh, you know, Knock Him Dead Kid. <laughs> you know, like those songs to me, they're just so great. And they're just that, that perfect L.A. Uh, Motley Crue vibe um, would have been would have been really cool to, to have heard. So and then even going off of, uh, you know, um, you know, Shout at the Devil, like. Uh, no, uh, there's no too young to fall in love. There was no red hot um, that they played. Um, oh, actually, I found it. So the set list from from um, the 2014 show um, in New York, which I guess okay. So you could say I got it then in 2014. But uh, so this is the set list. So they did Saints of Los Angeles, Wild Side, Primal Scream. Uh, same old situation. Looks that kill. On with the show. Too fast for love. Smoking in a boys' room. Without you, which I I actually glad they took that song out of the set for these final shows. Uh, <laughs> Motherfucker of the year. Anarchy in the UK, which I also think is another throwaway song. Um, Doctor feel good. Shout out the devil. Uh, don't go away mad. Then you've got the two the two solos, a drum solo, a guitar solo. Live wire. Too young to fall in love. Girls, girls, girls. Kickstart my heart. And then they encored with uh, "Home Sweet Home" on the stage that they would do in the middle of um, of the arenas, which I I will I I love that. I thought it was a cool touch every time they did it, even though it's like oh "Home Sweet Home," you know I've heard it that, but it's like I don't know, it's something cool about seeing those guys play that song, and you know right away all I do is think back to like the time like when that song had come out in the eighties, and uh, you know being uh, being a teenager and. And, uh, you know, I mean, it just transports me right back to that time instantly. So, you know, every time I'm like, oh, whatever, home sweet home. And then you hear the, the piano and it's like, uh, all right, I'm in. I'm in. Um, so the set lists that were going on for the final tours, uh, I'm sorry, for uh, the uh, the final the final shows. So, uh, of course, anybody else has got access to these. They're, they're online, but I'm just doing this for the purposes of, of comparison. So, um the the sets didn't change all three nights. So what they opened with was girls, 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 uh, on these shows. Um, so it was girls, 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 wild side, primal scream, sentimental situation, don't go away, mad, smoking in the boys' room, looks that kill, motherfucker of the year, anarchy in the UK, shout out the devil, louder than hell, which I do like that song. Um, then they did the 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 added the extreme Tommy Lee drum solo with the. Uh, <laughs> Roller coaster, um, which we'll talk a little bit more about that for, for, for the last show that they played. Um, uh, the guitar solo, Saints of Los Angeles, Livewire, Doctor Feelgood, Kickstart My Heart, and then uh, the Home Sweet Home on on the B stage thing in the middle of the arena. So, you know, I I will say that I think I kind of like the the diversity of the 2014 set they were doing because they did have like on with the show on there and all that. But, you know, I just would have loved to have heard a couple couple other songs like 
Too Young to Fall in Love is a cool song, and I, I wish they hadn't taken it out of the set. You know, I think that's a great tune from uh, from Shout Out the Devil. And, you know, I remember the music video on MTV <laughs> of of that. That's that's all I, I really ever think about. It's a really good tune. And, and uh, man, Red Hot. Would I, and I've seen him play Red Hot on, on other shows. And I just, it's such a ripping, it's such a ripper of a song. Um, really gets you pumped up, or at least gets me pumped up. So I would have loved to see a little more than that, or at least on those nights. You know, like switch it out, like where they do like um, louder than hell, like maybe switch that song up, you know, like louder. than So it's like maybe night one, it's it's, uh, you know, like on with the show and then maybe night two, it's too young to fall in love. And maybe night three, it's it's like red hot or uh, <laughs> knock them down or something. Public enemy number one. <laughs> Come on and dance. I don't uh, It would have been cool. But yeah, I mean. I get it. I get the the need to do the show the way the show is. It's orchestrated. It's a big production and all that. But I don't know. You just think like the last few shows these guys are ever going to play together, I guess, as a band. Um, they would have switched it up. But oh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> which which lends me to think that those probably will not be their last ever shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, if you go, the contract says the way they read it, tour. They will never tour again. That doesn't mean they won't play a show for charity or, you know, who knows? They get honored or something or, you know, if they ever get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, or or, or they get offered to play like five huge festivals in Europe, and then yeah. well, that's not a tour; it's just five dates. Yeah, like they play like Coachella because it'll be like ironically cool and hip that like you know now they're headlining Coachella or something or yeah, yeah, or Bonnaroo yeah. or yeah, like one of these huge metal festivals, and it's just like a sick amount of money that they can't turn down. Like, yeah, yeah. It, technically it's not a tour; it's. One show, a tour would be like, hey, we're going out on tour. That's, you know, or they do like one of these award shows or uh, something like that probably wouldn't count. But, um, you know, y- you could be right about that. I-, I mean, it says not touring again. <laughs> yeah, it was the same thing with uh, with Priest a few years ago where they said where their publicist came out. And said, "Well, they're not doing any more tours." And the band said, "No, we're we're just not doing world tours that are as big as our previous world tours. It's not that we're not touring anymore." So, I mean, it's all yeah. up to interpretation and you know the yeah. wording and whatnot. And just like all these other bands, I'm just right. waiting for you know Tommy Lee to come out and say, "Hey, man, I miss these guys." And you know, I just. You know, I understand we signed that and we said this, but we were having so much fun and and I miss it and blah, blah, blah. And what a lot of people don't realize, and this is the argument that I've had, the lifestyles that these guys lead, um, playing in 6 a.m. isn't going to pay for it. Playing for, you know, um, Vince Neil at some <laughs> small State part Fair. in the <laughs> Like, you know, every, or, every festival and, and rock cruise. Yeah. Play, playing it fucking Obsessions and Randolph. <laughs> Obsessions. <You know>? <laughs> Welcomes Vince Neil. Vince Neil. <laughs> you played it double D's and Morris. <laughs> double D's. There you go. I, I mean, that was like, I mean, it was years and years ago, but I mean, that's that's what it was reduced to for a while back in the, uh, back in the 90s. 
Coming in here, Vince Neil gasped for air up on our stage. <laughs> Coming to Obsessions in Morristown. <laughs> and Vince Neil's already done like one or two solo gigs already. Yeah. You know, it's so. it's hilarious. And what what I what I, I will tell you one like six AM, like you know, I saw I've seen six AM a couple times now and you know, they're they're an okay they're an okay band to me. Like it's very I love um the, the singer's name, I think he's got a, a really good voice, and I like DJ Ash, but I think he's a he's an awesome guitar player, and he's and he's a good songwriter too. But um, I am very anxious to hear the um, the Mick Mars solo record, which was great because it was like right after we got back. Like Mick Mars is like in Nashville, which is where he's doing the record, and he's posting stuff on his Facebook account, and and it's pretty cool that you know, it's pretty funny. John Karabi is singing on that record and they're, it looks like they're like working on the record together or like writing it together. But like, which that's very interesting considering it was like, you know, he was on yeah. the much maligned, uh, Motley Crue record that everybody wants to forget. And the band wants to forget that they ever recorded or ever was ever created as part of the Motley Crue catalog. <laughs> Poor John Karabi, you know, we right. shall see, I guess soon. I guess and so. the funny thing is, Mick has said right away, "Oh no, no, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna continue to tour. You know, I'm gonna put this album out and I'm gonna tour. You know, Motley Crue isn't stopping because of me. Um, right. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if anything, it's really stopping because Nicky doesn't want to do it anymore. You know, he's, I think he's burnt out and he wants to do 6 a.m. and that's it. You know, I mean, I don't think those guys as a band have anything left in the tank." You know, I mean, is that that's what I, you know, I think they've done everything that they could do as a as a band, other than just become a greatest hits act. You know, like a poison that just like tours and just does the hits. And I mean, that's essentially what this last tour was. Is you know, it's the greatest, it's the the best of the best, or the most. You know, I mean, smoking in a boys' room to me. I mean, yeah, it's a funny music video. And like when I was a when I was like a young. When I was a young strapping teen, preteen, it was it was cool to have it on MTV, and I guess it was an introduction to many people into the band. But like, I mean, I, it's a throwaway song for me now. I, I don't want to. I don't really need to hear it live. Like, <laughs> you know, you were trying to wiggle your ears back then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't need to see it live. Like, it just, you know, play red hot. <laughs> And and as far as the whole Karabi thing goes, um, Karabi sued the band a few years ago. I didn't know that, uh, really. Yeah. Um, apparently, well, apparently, and it doesn't come from the self-titled album. It actually comes from the following album, Generation Swine, which he actually helped write a bunch of that uh a bunch of tracks off of that album. I guess that makes um, sense. It's probably a bunch of left. So apparently he wasn't being paid for royalties on that album. The band or subsequently Nikki, I believe Nikki was who any, was sued. Are there actually um, any royalties on that? Him, uh, what's that? Are there any royalties on that record? <laughs> I don't know too many people who own Generation Swine record. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you owe can you please write John Karabi a check? <laughs> Yeah, for twenty two cents. Twenty two cents. Um, no, he actually won a few million from wow. from the band, and apparently since then they've sort of, you know, they 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 haven't seen eye to eye for uh, obvious reasons. But it's funny because 
you know, Karabi did work on Brides of Destruction with Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I mean, initially when 6 a.m. got together, there was talk that, you know, that uh, maybe Karabi was going to be involved in that again. And, and you know, um, apparently, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how it all, Right. shakes out so um very cool that you got to experience all that and um yeah it was it was really cool um i mean it was a great experience uh, listen it's my crew was one of my bands like and i yeah. i'm not gonna claim to say they're my most favorite like they were they're in my top 10 of bands that like in my steady rotation my steady diet of bands that like i totally love uh right like i said my my business partner, um, he's like that's like his top top band. You know, his number one band in the world is like Motley Crue. They're in my top ten, and uh, but it was you know it, it's definitely you know seeing him play on New Year's Eve. You know, my wife and I. It's like it was definitely kind of very uh, it, 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 it touched me in a, in a way of like being like, man, this is it. Like this this is one of the bands from my youth that I grew up with that are like. You know, as in this in this way of touring and playing, like this is it. You know, so it was kind of, um, you know, it was it was a little like ending of an era for me. You know, in that in that way of seeing that, and you know, in the band when they were doing some of their stage raps and stuff that night, you could hear it. You could hear it in their voice. You could hear it. You know, it was definitely it was an emotional moment for them, and I, I it wasn't fabricated and and all that. Like you could tell that the they as a band were were feeling the emotion of of that night but of course it, was, it, it wasn't them thinking uh wow i can't believe i'm finally getting away from this motherfucker it didn't <laughs> sound like that to me it didn't sound it sounded it sounded like a lot of appreciation which you know which is what you want to hear you know uh, from a fan like the fact that they do appreciate the position there i mean jesus christ i mean how many bands can can from that era do what they've done in America, <laughs> I'm not, right. not to leave Europe out of it, but, you know, Europeans, they still get it and aren't, you know, the bands do very well. But like in America, where, you know, I mean, it doesn't uh, <clears throat> and, and go out on the road by yourself. And I know that that's the second leg of this tour, like other than the coast, it didn't sell too well and all that. I think, you know, by 2014, they did really well on it. And then. You know, as 2015 went along, it seemed like they had some trouble in some of the other cities. Although, you know, it's everything always sells out in New York and, you know, in the coasts and all that. But um, but anyway, it was uh, it's, you know, it's for a band of of their sort of, you know, that that kind of music from that time and to be able to still do it and and play places and do a draw like that. It's impressive. It's very impressive. And uh you know, and to see them wrap it up, and and it's it was a little sad, um, but of course, in true heavy metal, Spinal Tap fashion, on the last show of the tour, it was of course a malfunction, <laughs> and if anybody, I'm sure at this point everybody's seen it. It was on YouTube. I I mean, I was there. I I didn't even want to film it i just wanted to actually record it in my mind and plus i knew it would just be on youtube anyway but uh <laughs> the uh nick um tommy lee's got this like wild like roller coaster drum thing that he like rides along it's a drum coaster i think he was calling it the uh the the cruise uh something crucify that's it the crucify 
and he like jams out to like some dubstep stuff and techno and like a couple other like rock mix mashup songs and he's like kind of like as as he's launches from his uh riser on the stage it goes like across like the whole like pretty much the whole like uh front of the arena over to general admission and kind of comes back down to like that b stage where like they play home sweet home and as it's playing it like he kind of spins like 360 as he's going and it's Mm -hmm. it's cool i mean it's cool to watch it and everything but he's getting near the end of it and he's stuck upside down (laughs) it stops and he's stuck upside down so you know he's trying to be like funny about it for a little bit he's like hey guys uh (laughs) you guys want to uh you guys want to get me or you know turn me around or something like that and then he's trying to be fun but then you can actually hear him like kind of getting pissed like hey guys you gotta come up here and come get me and uh, they managed to get him like right side up at least so he wasn't hanging upside down anymore and uh and it's still not moving so he wound up having to climb out of his drum kit and climb down the um the tracks down to the other stage and uh and then it was just like hey mick take it and mick mars comes out and just started playing like you know his guitar solo or whatnot and and i was like (laughs) for a minute i was like shit what are they gonna do like his kit is stuck up there like how are they gonna get that back but uh, they managed to get it back to the other side of the stage. I guess they, they pushed it back or somehow manually like got it back to the, the main stage area. And after Mix Mars solo, there it was, and he was playing. But I was like, man, is the show over? Like, what's going to go on? Uh, and through all that, it is actually it's funny because they – and they were also filming this for a DVD that's coming right. out. So uh, – but uh, uh, Mark uh, was there on, on – um, on on uh, the 30th, and he said they were filming that night too. So I bet they're going to wind up splicing it in or somehow. They'll probably use the drum solo from that night um, and then put that on the video, unless they just leave it. I think they should just leave it. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> or at least have it as like bonus footage or something, like see it. Right. I think it would be hilarious. I mean, you know, why not laugh at yourself on it? Of course, it's like you should revel in it, man. It's a Spinal Tap moment. Like, of course, it's the last – show last show the tour last show ever and like something like that happens um and uh they wound up pushing back the uh the new year's countdown which was funny because you know of course they wanted to count down until like you know new year's eve going into new year's day and do the countdown and it's literally like when they finally did it it was like past like midnight like by like a few minutes and and vince just they give vince like a thing of champagne he's like three two one (laughs) He doesn't even do like ten. He's like three, two, one, or or five, four, three. It was like he didn't even do like the full like countdown, and it's like boom, and the confetti and all that, and which was fun. <laughs> did they play the? So they did the show later than usual, so that they could go over midnight. Is yes, that it? yeah, they started the show later. Um, they had a band opening for them those, those three nights. Um, some English band at that. that uh, Nikki really likes. I forgot the name of them. Um, I, uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the uh, name of the band, but they, the singer uh, looks like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, and they was like, oh, they sound like Queen. I was like, this just wasn't into it. We, you know, I didn't want to see an opening band. I just want to see Motley Crue. Yeah, no Alice Cooper for those shows. No Alice Cooper for those shows, which I thought was weird because um, Alice 
we saw Alice on the 2014 show and the show at Barclays in August of 2015. And Alice right. was great, man. He was great both times he saw him. Ripped it up. Um, awesome set. You know, uh, the band is great that he has. It's just, he was awesome. I mean, he sounded great on all those shows. So it was odd to me that they didn't want that Alice wasn't on those because he had just finished playing with them in Vegas like that the week before they came to L.A. Right. So he finished out with them in Vegas. So it was like odd that he wasn't there for the last three shows. I don't know if they just wanted to be like all about them. But I, see, that's the thing. I wish they didn't have an opening band. Just play more songs like get rid of the opening band for L.A. Like and just play longer. <laughs> right. You know, it just whatever. You know, they got to stick to the set. I got it. I got it. Stick to the set list. You know, stick to the show. We've rehearsed the show. All the pyro goes off at the, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was, it is, it is a fun, it was a fun spectacle to see with the, the pyro they did have, which, you know, instantly makes me a little kid again. The minute I see pyro go off behind a band and they had these cool cranes that go up into the audience that, that Nikki and um, Vince were on and, 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 um, you know, of course, Mick doesn't move around much because he, he just can't. You know, he's he's he doesn't uh, he's just hurt. You know, he's guys in pain all the time. So uh, <laughs> but everybody sounded good. I mean, listen, I thought the shows were great. You know, everybody complained gets on Vince. It's like, listen, Vince, David Lee Roth. What these guys aren't singers? They're they're entertainers. Like, <laughs> you know, like just go with it. It's 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 metal. It's it's uh, it's fun. It's a show. It's a big show. It's a spectacle. Just. You know, it wouldn't be Motley Crue without, like, ripping on Vince and, and hearing him huff and puff and, <laughs> and miss, <laughs> miss every other word or whatnot. It's it's part of the show, man. It's part of the price of admission. You know, deal with it. <laughs> that's that, that's a good excuse. So the next time somebody says, you're not a real show host, that's right. I'm an entertainer, damn it. That's right. I'm a damn entertainer. I'm good at it. You know, I mean, that's a David Lee Roth. Okay, No one's going to say David Lee Roth is this amazing singer. He's an entertainer. He's a showman. He goes out there. He dances around. He gets everybody riled up, gets the crowd excited. You know, everybody's there to see Eddie. It's like <laughs> the show's about Eddie. <laughs> In any event, let's get into a little Motley Crue here. Let's get into yes. um, Little Red Hot, which I actually got to see them play back in 05. So going back over 10 years, actually June of uh, of 05, it was so fucking hot. They had to move the um, the show to an indoors venue Wow, uh, that had air conditioning uh, because it was supposed to be at an, it was supposed to be an outdoor show and they they brought it inside just just for that just to uh, the fire marshals would not allow them to play outside. So, um, so it was appropriate for them to play red hot. For, there you go. So off a shout at the devil. Here's a little red hot by Motley Crue.
The Galaxy of Geeks podcast is four guys talking all things geek, whether that's Star Wars, Marvel vs. DC, TV shows, movies, or anything in between. We have all the geek bases. Go to galaxyofgeeks.net to find out more. Punch it! What you just heard there was Red Hot by Motley Crue. Um, if you by chance do not have Shout at the Devil, want to pick it up, in the show notes, you can check out a link to either Amazon or iTunes. Support the band, help the show at the same time by picking it up using our link. So there you go. Yeah, and there's, uh, uh, I'm sorry not to cut you off, Victor, but I just saw okay. recently, too, to, uh, more about Motley Crue and records. Is uh, I saw online that they're doing like re-releases of all their albums on colored vinyl, which I think is kind of neat because I actually... Oh, cool. Really interested in getting those. <laughs> so I know they're somewhere, but I think if you Google like Motley Crue colored vinyl reissue or something like that, it, it comes up and you'll see them. Awesome. That should be something really cool. Something else that uh, that I wanted to talk about while we were on the show. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Chris and I do another podcast called the Galaxy of Geeks podcast. And we basically touch upon all different types of geek-related topics, whether that's Star Wars, whether that's the X-Files reboot, whether that's uh, the Marvel and DC uh, cinematic and comic book universe. Um, Basically anything that's uh, sci-fi, geek-related, TV, movies, what have you, comic books like to talk about all these different topics joining us is also uh ian and caesar uh on the show the four of us are on the the bulk of the show sometimes one of us is missing but uh it's always great fun to talk to talk to the four of them or actually duh, i would be four but the three <laughs> <of> them, <laughs> and um that's my dover education there but yeah so instead of doing what other shows do where you know, they just play you or they include one of their shows in the in the feed of the shows that you're regularly downloading. Since Chris was going to come on, I figured, you know, we could throw in a segment here where we sort of give you a taste of what we normally do during the uh, Galaxy of Geeks podcast. And the one topic that I wanted to bring up, and I haven't sprung this on Chris yet, this is a, a topic that is near and dear to him, but... Officially this week, episode eight started pre-production, did it not? It did. Actually, it began filming this week. It officially began filming. And uh, yeah, so I mean, there we go, man. Cameras are rolling on episode eight after uh, some some um, word about delays. You know, they pushed back the release date. It was supposed to be May of next year um, that we were going to see episode eight, but they've pushed it back to December of next year of 2017 so we'll see what we get um but yeah the countdown's on for that it's it's pretty cool if um if anybody follows uh like i do on social media uh daisy ridley who plays the character ray um in force awakens and john boyega's character um finn um these guys, the two of them are are hilarious on social media so i I definitely recommend following them on on, uh, instagram and uh, and John Boyega's got a Snapchat account, which is hilarious. But the um, this week or the week before, um, Daisy Ridley had a, a really cool picture that she posted on Instagram, and it was like a picture of like 
or look like roses or flowers. And just in the bottom, like left hand corner, she's just strategically placed the top of the of the script for episode eight, and it just had the Roman numerals eight on it. And uh, yeah. and you know that there was like you know getting ready, brush it up on my lot. You know, it's just like. You know, it's like the coolest stuff. Like the two of them are, are hilarious. They they do the they do the coolest stuff on social media. But I am pumped. You know that we're just just it's just continuing on, man. The Star Wars machine is is moving forward. So excited about that. Um, and of course, we've got Rogue One coming out this year, which I'm excited about. As news is starting to trickle out about about Rogue One and and uh, you know who's going to be in it as far as. You know, other classic Star Wars characters. I mean, right now, the only thing we've seen of Rogue One is uh, the, the, the cast shot of, I guess, from what we all assume is, is the band of rebels that are they're talking about. It's, you can see it on AMDB pretty much anywhere. It's been the only thing really released right now. But uh, right. word is, and it makes sense for the timeline. So if anybody doesn't know, Rogue One is the film, is, is going to be a standalone film. That takes place uh, in the time before Episode Four, which is called The New Hope now, and uh, and it focuses specifically on the one line in the scroll of of New Hope, where it says a small band of rebels has stolen the plans of the Death Star. Well, we are now going to see the small band of rebels that have stolen the plans of the Death Star. So we're supposed to be getting, from what everybody says and from the script says, is going to be a grittier darker um work kind of like movie sort of like a a private ryan style type of a thing so which we've never really seen in the star wars universe um before so um it's gonna be an interesting take and we're gonna see darth vader in this and we're hearing that darth vader is gonna be a real real badass we're gonna see the violent the the darth vader where he got that reputation from um of being like a feared you know, menace in a galaxy type of thing. So, um, pumped. And James Earl Jones is signed on, of course, to do the voice of Vader. So, so that's interesting. So, I wonder if that means that we won't see the entire group of rebels make it through. Because I'm assuming that he's gonna somehow that not the entire group that goes into the movie makes it out of the movie. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see some deaths on screen. I'm sure we're going to probably see this small band of rebels get pretty decimated, I'm thinking. I mean, we're, we're probably going to see some some stuff that we've not seen on film in the Star Wars universe before. Um, you know, if anybody's watched the Clone Wars cartoons, they actually, you know, got into some of that, like, you know, characters getting killed off and, you know, meeting some violent ends. And, uh, and even Rebels has dealt with it, too. Um, to uh, to uh, to a bit as well. So, you know, that's something that. Uh, but as far as film goes, the films we haven't seen too much. I mean, episode three got a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously very implied. I mean, Anakin goes in there, wipes out the whole, all the little kids, all the little the younglings. Um, you know, goes to Geonosis, <laughs> kills everybody on that on there. I mean, we also see young Anakin kill all the, you know. The, the the sand people the tuscan raiders but right but still like i don't think to the level that like when you start seeing private ryan like level of like war film like that's something mm-hmm. we haven't seen in, in the star wars universe so that's piques my interest you know like what kind of film are we getting you know in, in that way of um 
uh, you know, uh, filmmaking uh, and what we're going to see. So, so it seems as if what they want to do is tailor to the core audience that is more or less in our age group, mm-hmm. you know, um, late 30s, early 40s, all the way up, you know, as opposed to, you know, catering to the Jar Jar Binks crowd. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I'm, I'm almost wondering, like, I wonder how far they're going to push this film. I mean, I can't picture it being an R movie, a Star Wars R movie, but, you know, does it get a PG-13? You know, like, is it going to be... Is it going to be, are we going to see blood or, I mean, even in Phantom Menace, um, you know, honestly, when, when you see that opening scene and I, I, you know, I feel like at this point, you know, if you really haven't seen Phantom Menace, I think we're past the point of spoilers, although I'm not really giving a major spoiler point away here. But when, um, when you see the, the death of the one stormtrooper that's shot by Poe, um, and he puts his bloody handprint on Finn's helmet, I mean, that's like kind of the first time you've ever seen blood in a Star Wars movie, you know? And that was kind of, like, striking, because that's, like, right away. You mean Force Awakens? That's what I you meant. You said Phantom Menace. I'm sorry. Yes. Force Awakens. Thank you for Blasphemy. the correction. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. I just got thrown. My, my, my Star Wars membership card has now been thrown thrown away and burned, and uh, and I've banned <laughs> from all future screenings. Damn it. <laughs> Mal, Mal, Mal. Oh man! Um, here's something interesting that I thought of this week. Since they are going to be putting out all these different movies, first of all, I think Rogue One is going to be a test as well yeah. to see how the standalone movies are going to work within this universe. Because everything else that they've talked about outside of the continuation of the saga are Ben Kenobi movies. Um, uh, Han Solo movies, and those are all trilogies within themselves. So, g- given what Disney's done, and, and we've talked about this on on the podcast, given what Disney's done with the Marvel universe, I can honestly see them do these one-off movies, and then maybe pick characters from the one-offs and throw them into other situations. Because obviously, if you're gonna do an origins trilogy with uh, Han Solo and with Obi-Wan, it's very plausible that you can mix the group from Rebels in with either one of those storylines as well. You would think so. You would think so. I mean, they would be existing in in that timeline. I mean, right now where Rebels is happening, I mean, Obi-Wan's on Tatooine. You know, Luke is existing in this timeline right now. I mean, young, very young, but like, you know, what to say our rebels don't go to Tatooine at some point for some sort of a mission that, you know, they run into an Obi-Wan, you know, do, do, do Kanan and, and Ezra have that have that run? I mean, they've already I mean, Ezra's already had contact with Yoda, you know, and Leia, and Leia yes, and Leia, which we've just seen. And, um, you know, of course, Lando's <laughs> out there, too. And and. uh um, so, I mean, is it, it's, I don't think it's too far fetched. And even Han Solo, I mean, Han Solo is in, in this, in this universe right now. He's alive. He's well, um, uh, from early, you know, from some of the expanded universe stuff and some of the other things is that, you know, I mean, he even may be in the Academy at this point because I mean, it, apparently Han Solo was a Karelian, um, who was, uh, who was, uh, in the Imperial Academy, but like left. So, mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they kind of stick with any of that, I, I don't know. You know, if that's going to be something that they continue on with. But 
Um, that would be interesting to see uh, if, uh, you know, we, we run into a Han Solo that's in the Imperial Academy or, you know, when he's getting ready to kind of leave the Academy, you know, take off and become a smuggler. Or, or, or maybe something to do with, again, someone from this group co-horses him into leaving the Academy or maybe he's put into a situation due to someone from this group where it makes him leave. I don't know. Maybe like a Finn, like how Finn like a Finn, yeah, maybe, maybe he sees, you know, um, or similar to the the storyline they had in Rebels, where mm-hmm. he's at the Academy, one of his friends is part of this Rebel group, and he sees Vader take him out. So that makes him question what he's doing in the Academy or something yeah. along those lines, you know? Very much so. So, I mean, it's, the world is our oyster, Victor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, could you ever see a point in time where they would want to reboot these movies like they have with, you know, countless other um, stories? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you mean reboot as far as rebooting like Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, like stuff like that. You know, they've done it, say, for example, with um with like Spider-Man, they've done it. Oh, with... no, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if the fandom would stand for it. I think in my eyes, my opinion, because I think I know how, how I would feel. I mean, listen, they've rebooted a lot of films that I feel like has been complete blasphemy. But I think if you really want an entire fan base to turn on you um, <laughs> in, in a drop of a hat, that would be it. I mean, can you imagine him saying we're going to redo Empire Strikes Back? I mean... I, I think you would lose an, an enormous amount of uh, a fandom instantly. Well, remember that around the time of the prequels, there were rumors that he was going to redo A New Hope with new effects and, and things along those lines to sort of bring it you know, up into the um, yeah, there's no point. modern age. Nah, just and, leave it. Leave it as is. It's fine. Yeah. And thankfully he went, well, thankfully, I don't know uh-huh. if you could really thank him for the prequel. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, know. there's, there's, I mean, listen, I mean, there's all, you know, everybody's all about the reboots, the reboots, the reboots, but you know what? I think with Star Wars, it's just, you know, it's, there's nothing to really just leave it, make new films. There's a lot of new stories to tell. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, are you going to say, you know, with the younger fans, do they really get it? I mean, Listen, my like I said, I've brought this topic up much. I've brought this topic up a lot on on the Galaxy Geek Show. Is that my daughters wanted nothing to do with Star Wars, nothing at all to do with Star Wars. We went. Mm-hmm. Th- they wanted to go see Force Awakens because they kept hearing how good it was. Their friends were telling me how good it was. We take them to go see Force Awakens. They like love it, and now they want to go back to watch these movies and. They have a lot of questions and this and that, and now they're much more open to at least watching them because they want to know more of the story. Um, and I think they're hopefully, they're fine as is. Leave them alone. <laughs> hopefully, you're starting with episode four and not episode one. <laughs> Those don't really exist in my vocabulary. <laughs> Although episode three to me is is watchable, especially after you watch Clone Wars. And if anybody, yeah, I, and this is what I urge anybody to do actually, because I will tell you that Clone Wars series, not Clone Wars. Um, or Attack the of the Clones, the movie. I'm talking about the Clone Wars series. It's on Netflix still. Watch it all, especially season six, the Yoda arc, and then watch episode three. They mm-hmm. make episode three a better movie. 
just by association. <laughs> well, I'm I'm almost done with with uh, season one. So yeah. I, I tell you, it makes episode three uh, a much better film, and it makes the fall of Anakin a little more tragic. Um, although it doesn't erase the terrible Frankenstein ending. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Terrible. <laughs> Like Lucas has got to wear his, his influences on his sleeve. On his, he has to wear his influences on his sleeve so hard that he has to like weave in like Tarzan yells and 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 Frankenstein homages. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope, there's no subtly, there's no subtle art in that. Just let's just let's just rip it off exactly as is and call it homage. But like, it doesn't even make sense. But whatever. That's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're into what we're talking about in coming episodes, I'm sure we're going to be jumping into uh, the continuation of the X-Files series, which we've dealt with in our previous episode. We'll talk about uh, Walking Dead, which starts up this weekend as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deadpool, Mm -hmm. which is already out in the States, comes out where I am the 19th, so a week from today. Excuse me. And, um, And yeah, there's so many... So many geek topics that are going to be coming out throughout the year. So many movies or series that are going to help tie the the year, you know, up. So we have different things to talk about throughout the year. Whether that's Daredevil, whether that's uh, the end of this X Files series, whether that's Game of Thrones, whether that's you know Civil War. So uh, if you look at it, there's so many things for us to uh, that we'll be talking about throughout the year. So. If you want to check us out, we are up on iTunes. For those of you on Android, you can check us out uh, via Stitcher or the RSS feed if you prefer to use that instead. That's all up on on the website. You can go to galaxyofgeeks.net to find not only our podcast, but we do have a written article up there, excuse me. And we are looking for writers. If, If you guys are into any of this stuff, you're into video games, board games, anything else, Along these lines, just drop us a line. There is a contact uh, form right there on the homepage. Just drop us a line that way. Or you can uh, follow us on Facebook or Twitter. All that great information is right there on galaxyofgeeks.net. Since we are talking about Star Wars and geek-related things, um, there's one track that I've been playing the absolutely living hell out of the track is by the band last in line which is basically the original dio band plus uh, andrew freeman is their lead singer obviously ronnie james dio passed away and unfortunately jimmy bain just passed away recently but this on the album... cruise on the cruise too on, on the, the def leopard cruise yeah so the album is great it is solid if you're a fan of those early dio albums i highly recommend you checking it out from the moment I heard this song, I absolutely fell in love with it. And since we're talking about Star Wars, the name of the track is Star Maker. So let's check this track out by the band Last in Line. <laughs>
interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about From the fires that created a long-lost brotherhood of podcasts comes the Blast Syndicate. We are made up of Focus on Metal, Inside Metal, Iron City Rocks, Mars Attacks, Metal Geeks, MSR Cast, Neckbreaker, Radioactive Metal, and Wiki Metal. We are the Blast Syndicate. Go to BlastSyndicate.com to find out more. Get blasted.
just got back from your work break and you need a little pick-me-up? Mars Attacks Podcast is featured weekdays on Maximum Threshold Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 7 p.m. Central European Time. Go to MaximumTreshold.net to tune in or find out more. Okay, what you heard there was a little last in line with the track Star Maker off of the Heavy Crown album. That is, I have to check the date. I, uh, I believe it's coming out this month. I mean, th- this is what happens. You get these promos so early, sometimes several months in advance that, you know, I look the dates up, but I forget. But um, yeah, it, it'll, the, the album is very solid just like this track and hopefully you enjoyed it but uh anyway we just talked about jimmy bain passing away and there was someone else had recently passed away that i figured chris would have a lot of insight regarding this specific artist and uh, his career um it is not someone that i'm well versed in and that's sort of why i wanted to also take advantage of having chris on the show to talk a little bit about this sudden passing. He was the lead singer of, amongst other bands, a band called Sensefield, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so what can you tell us about? I, I don't have the name written down, so you're going to have to fill us in on all that John as well. Bunch, yeah. So, uh, okay. yeah, so I, uh, we um, uh, lost another. I feel like these, <laughs> these two months have been brutal. To the world yeah. of 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 artists, musicians, uh, entered. I mean, it's just been like unbelievable. It's 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 been a very tough start to 2016 with the losses. I mean, starting with David Bowie and and uh, and and losing um, losing uh, Alan Rickman, and then and then going down the line to uh, you know Jimmy Bain, and you know, and if you're a big Eagles fan, Glenn Fry. I mean, it's it's been uh, uh, Lemmy. I, it's been insane. And I'm not even hitting all of them because it's, there's been so many happening all at once. But one of the, unfortunately, most recent losses that we've had in the music community um, is a, um, a guy named John Bunch. Uh, he's a singer, uh, songwriter. And, uh, you know, his band that he was in wasn't exactly um, the biggest, most mainstream band in the world. They really weren't. They, they definitely flew in, the, flew in on the underground. Um, but he was in a band called Sensefield which um, was really uh, operated um, between the years um, in the, in the, in the uh, mid to late 90s and even early 2000s. And uh, they were on a label out of California called Revelation Records. Um, and Revelation was really well known. And some, some people out there may know them as being a, a big hardcore uh, punk label, mostly you know putting out a lot of even the straight edge hardcore stuff of like Youth of Today and uh, and judge and gorilla biscuits and warzone and and um so many so many classic hardcore i mean inside out which you know the original uh with uh you know zach de la roca who went on to go like rage against the machine i mean so many many classic classic records that uh um uh, have really fueled that hardcore scene but um in the mid 90s they started opening things up i mean jordan who runs a record pretty much just uh puts out stuff that he likes and 
Um, one of the bands that he put out was a band called Sunsfield. And around that time, you had other bands that he was like Texas. The reason was another big band. And basically they start slotting into like what was a genre known as um, post hardcore or, you know, even the the uh, the emo label, which the emo label um just to give already a quick background on, on what emo means, I mean, most people think of emo, they think of like a lot of the bands that came much, much later on, like, you know, My Chemical Romance or The Used or, uh, you know, some of these other bands that are wearing like, you know, black mascara and, you know, dressing like vampire and whatever. Um, those are emo. Emo was originally a coin, uh, a phrase coined in the early in the actually the like the like late late eighties early nineties of the, for bands that were playing hardcore music but it had a much more emotional edge to it, you know right. when you get bands like Rights of Spring and and um, and uh, you know some of the other bands even like later later Dag you know it's it's some far huh far Jets the Brazil yeah I mean and those bands were actually in the later end of the things and so you know. Um, Sensefield was a band that I guess you could label as an emo band, but more or less because they came from that, you know, emotional hardcore, post-hardcore um, band, and uh, and they they had put out four amazing records. Um, first one on Revelation was called Killed for Less, and it was a it was a fantastic record with so many good good songs on it. Um, and John John's voice, John Bunch's voice, was not the the growling, um, screaming singer. He wasn't that. He had a wonderful, wonderful voice, a wonderful rock voice, too. And he could sing gentle. He could sing with a lot of power. Um, he, he truly was a, an amazing singer. And his first band that he started with was called Reason to Believe, which, you know, you could uh, find them on YouTube. Uh, plenty. You could listen to their records. It's definitely much more of a, of a that punk band, California punk uh, mixed it with a little hardcore sound there. Um, and then later he formed Sensefield with all the other musicians. And Sensefield had a much more different sound, had that more, I guess, where you're going to call the emo sound, the post-hardcore sound. And then um, they got kind of wrapped up into that, the signing frenzy of the mid-'90s, where basically, you know, after Green Day came out and hit it big with Dookie, that was it. I mean, anything that sounded remotely punk or catchy or emo or whatnot was getting signed and they got signed to warner brothers and uh like any other band you know they put out they actually their record that they they put out was called building and it was a phenomenal record it really was and uh it was great but you know it didn't move a lot of units <laughs> so uh they wound up getting dropped and uh then they wound up putting out two other records on the network label record uh net network uh record label and uh, those records were really great as well. Um, and, you know, as they kept going, they just kept evolving their sound. So, you know, I, I, uh, I definitely urge you, anybody out there to go back and go and go listen to Sensefield. You can hear them on Spotify. You can hear them on YouTube. I mean, John's voice was, was really, really good. And even, you know, even after Sensefield broke up, um, he kept going, you know, uh, he wound up later on joining, um, another kind of post hardcore band called further seems forever. And some people out there may be aware of them because their, their first singer was John uh, Caraba who did dashboard confessional. And, uh, it actually, he, John was their third singer and he, he, um, 
went in. He did the record. He toured for a few years. I even did a lot of European tours with them um, on that record. And then he uh, and then that was that. And uh, Sensefield wound up doing a reunion show, uh, a couple shows in 2012 uh, for Revelation Records, their 25th anniversary. Um, and they did a bunch of shows out in uh, California. And a uh, and then he did another quick um, other little band called War Generation, which wasn't um, which was around 2013. And most recently, and this is the unfortunate part, is he just did another band called Lucky Scars, which I I think they're they're really fun. Um, it's him and, and some members of Ignite, another uh, California hardcore band. But the music's not hardcore; it's like a real punky urgency. That John Bunch signature voice, which you know, which he became very known for, is, is there. And uh, they just released a, a seven inch and an EP, which you can get on, um, I believe it's uh, uh, Nemesis Records or, or something like that. Actually, I had to, um, I'd have to get, I'll get you the info for the show notes on that one, uh, Victor. But it's on, it's on Spotify too. You could look it up. Lucky Scars. Uh, great record. Um, it's an EP song on there. It's called Bandita. They actually just did a music video, which is really funny, very tongue in cheek. Uh, but yeah, he passed away this week, um, uh, this Monday, apparently from no one. They haven't announced an official cause of death other than the fact that he woke up next to his girl. Or <laughs> I shouldn't say he woke up. His girlfriend woke up um, next to him and he was dead. Um, and he leaves behind uh, a son. And uh, yeah, an unfortunate uh, for me, for everybody else who's a who's a very big fan of him. It's it's very sad. I remember seeing Sensefield personally here um, in the states uh, a few times, and one to me, one of the shows I saw them on that stands out the the most to me is uh, I actually saw them in a basement. <laughs> Believe it or not, I saw them in a basement show. There was a guy around here who used to put on a lot of basement shows in his house, and. Uh, and bands would come through and they would tour. And sometimes they would just do like these secret like little shows. Like they would play like a show like in the city, but they would do like a, just a secret show here for like, you know, anybody who was in a know. And, and they would play. And um, and uh, they played this show in, in this guy's basement. And it was just like unbelievable. I couldn't believe that this band that I love so much was was in this kid's basement playing, playing a show and, and just ripping it up and. And sat in there and singing the lyrics, and it was just, uh, it was really special. Um, because then the next time I would have, I'd see this band, I'd saw Sensefield was, was at the Warp Tour, um, and it was awesome seeing them there too. So it's like literally seeing them in a basement with like, you know, 30 people to like see it about the Warp Tour, uh, playing in front of, you know, thousands of, of, of kids who, who were like trying to figure out who they were. So, um, yeah, I mean, all I could say is, you know, rest in peace, John Bunch. It's another huge loss to the music industry and to, to the world. Um, and, you know, they were never a humongous band in the sense that they had, like, the huge radio hits on MTV or on the radio. But you go back and you listen, and there's their songs, and you're like, I don't know how this wasn't a hit. I don't know how this wasn't on a radio. I don't know how everybody in the world is not listening to this, to their music, because um, the songs were big, they were catchy. Very well written, great musicianship. So, so I urge everybody to go out there and go and go discover their records. You can uh, hear them on Spotify. You can get them on YouTube, and, or you know, even go to Revelation Records and buy them. 
but the records uh, that they put out were uh, were uh, killed for less. Um, that's the first record they did. It was awesome. It's so good. So many great songs. Second record they released is just called Sense Field, and it was actually a combination of demos and uh, of some of the songs on Killed for Less, some acoustic versions, and just some unreleased songs that they um, that they hadn't uh, released on on Killed for Less. It was around that same era. Um, Building is the next one. That was like sort of like the quote unquote their breakthrough record. Um, major label release and then um, on the network label which is out of Canada they put out Tonight and Forever and Living Outside was the last was their last record um, in 2003 they definitely put out EPs and B-sides and there's all kinds of stuff out there that you can hear Um, and then definitely I urge you to check out uh, John's most recent project which was called Lucky Scars and uh, it's really, really cool. It's very much worth a listen. It's it's actually a really, really fun EP to listen to. Um, it's great. I crank it up in the car. I like work out to it. It's it's really cool. So um, and also too, there's a one more thing to check out if you want to hear John and hear him talk about things. There's a great podcast out there called Washed Up Emo. Um, right. And uh, he actually just did a uh, right before he died. He actually did an interview on Washed Up Emo, which they just released. And it's really uh, was done like I think like a month or so before he passed away. And it's kind of his it's really it is his last official like recorded interview that he uh, basically did alive. And uh, and to hear it and listen to it is um, it's sad. But he you know, he talks about the history of the band. He talks about the history of the uh, the California scene and, you know, talks about his time in Sensefield and further seems forever and talks about lucky scars and. You know, it's just it's a really good insight behind the guy, behind the guy who writes the songs, behind the guy who's singing. So I uh, definitely urge you guys to go and, and listen to that interview because I think that you'll uh, you'll hopefully hear what I'm hearing and, and have a lot of respect. And so, you know, it's a band that deserves to not be forgotten in time um, and they deserve to be listened to and uh, and appreciated. And John was was just an amazing, an amazing singer. And from people who knew him and I have friends who knew him really well. He was an amazing guy too. He was a really amazing, amazing person. So that's my tribute to uh, to John Bunch. And hopefully, uh, anybody listening to this is going to go out and go check out some Sensefield records and and dig it. So um, some songs. I think Victor will will play a, play a song or two from them. Is that what we're going to? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. do a, a track to end the show. Right. Uh, so whatever whatever you want to recommend to people. Yeah, I mean, I think that the first. Um, one of the one of the cool cool songs on uh, I would I would do off of building would be uh, the track first track is uh, Overstand I think is great it's a it's a good good opening song and I think it really sets the tone for the whole record so I think that's that's a good song to to end to end it with awesome I hope that you guys enjoyed our little talk here having Chris on the show hopefully it will give you guys the incentive to not only check out Sensefield and all of John Bunch's work, but you go over and check out our podcast, The Galaxy of Geeks. Um, hopefully you also uh, will come back to Mars Attacks, obviously, but it is great to speak to Chris as usual. And um, if you want to follow us, obviously, Facebook, we have all the great stuff for Mars Attacks. And galaxy of geeks related we also have all the links to our personal social media up there on galaxyofgeeks.net so if you do want to drop chris a line directly you can we have the facebook and twitter links 
up there for everyone to uh, contact, give us a shout out, tell us they don't like what we're doing, whatever you guys want. <laughs> yeah, tell us we're a bunch of idiots. I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah. Hey, man, how could you say that, man? I don't, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't like that emo stuff, well, man. Start your own podcast called I Hate Emo. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but thank, thanks for having me on the show, Victor. I'm glad that Mars Attacks is back and uh, looking forward to hearing some uh, – some awesome episodes. I know you got a lot of stuff in the work, some really cool things that I know everybody's going to be excited to hear. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to be part of it. Th- thanks for having, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And, uh, you'll hear Chris on here from time to time as well, uh, in the future. So if you have any, any questions for him or, um, like I said, you want to drop us a line, there's plenty of opportunity to do so anyway. So let's end the show with a little sense field here. Um, Thanks again for listening and we'll check you out right here on the Mars attacks podcast. See ya. What is pure? What is love? What is faith without trust? What is loneliness without anyone? Where is anywhere? Without direction